0: Hey smart mamas, welcome to the Scrub Caps and Sippy Cups podcast, a podcast about balancing mom life and work life and everything in between. Being a mama is a hard job. We are three nurse anesthetists reaching out to support and encourage other moms with hectic and chaotic lives. I want to be a nurse anesthetist. No topics are off limits.
1: Relationships. Finance. Mental health. Wick.
0: And we aren't sugarcoating
1: anything. No way, way.
0: This is real life, real moms, real advice. And we want this to be interactive. We want to hear from you the good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Scrub Caps and Sippy Cups. Lacey and Ellen here, and we've got Jenna Hua. From Million Marker. And I'm really excited for this interview. We were talking a little bit before the use of like toxins and plastics in healthcare. And it's just, it's fascinating how like immune to the amount of plastic and the amount of waste and the amount of like toxins we're actually exposed to on a daily basis. So let's kick off this interview. Jenna, welcome. And can you just give us a little of your background and kind of how you got on the path that you're on
2: now? Thank you so much for having me, Lacey and Alan. I'm super excited to be here. I got got into this also maybe a little bit back, a bit of my background. Um, My name is Jenna. I'm the founder and CEO of of Million Marker. We're a company trying to help people understand their environmental toxin exposures and then do something about it. How I got into this, so I was trained as a dietitian, also worked in healthcare. I was uh, uh, getting frustrated that no one listened to me. Well, I was a dietitian, so I went back to school and studied environmental health. It was through my research I realized we have no tools allowing people to understand their exposures because environmental exposures actually accounts for about 70% of your chronic disease risk versus, you know, 30% by genetics. But we don't have the tools to actually allowing people to know what, where their exposures are coming from, what are them, how much of it, and do something about it because you can't change your genes. But you can actually change your environment. So I was really frustrated by that. And I was also frustrated by there's no data allowing us to actually understand these exposures because we're exposed to so many things at one time. And we have only been studying one chemical at a time. So you have no idea this cocktail of chemicals and how does that impact your health? At the same time, you know, we talk so much about precision medicine. But precision medicine really needs this environmental piece of data. So as a researcher, there was no data. So I was quite frustrated with that. Also, during that time, I uh, was trying to have kids and I had a lot of fertility struggles myself. After four late stage miscarriages, the doctor still couldn't figure out what's exactly going on with my body. I have two super rare genetic conditions that they don't really know what's the trigger and how I would behave the way I would behave during pregnancy. So, I did all the genetic testing. I did every test that's possible on earth, still couldn't really figure out what's going on. And I, because I study this, I know that environmental exposures could have a potential trigger to infertility and to my fertility struggles. When I went to the doctor, um, you know, if I could get a test like an environmental toxin test to figure out, just to even just to get a sense of assurance, there was no such test available. So I was very frustrated by that too. So combining the two frustrations, I was like, okay, maybe it's time to quit academia and do something different. So that's why I started Million Marker, that I really believe we can provide people the tools to understand their exposures and also at the same time, push the envelope for better science and also better environmental policies so that we can all live uh, in a more sustainable environment.
0: Well, that's awesome. And... First, I am. I'm sorry that you, you know, had to go through that those losses in order to get to the point that you are. But it's really inspiring and empowering that you've taken that and turned it into something that can help so many people. So,
1: awesome job there, Ellen. Do you have any questions right off the bat I for do. Jenna? I do, Jenna. This is so up my alley. Like, I can't even explain it to you. When I saw who was coming on our podcast today, I was like, oh my goodness, this is what I have been waiting for. And like- I warned her. I warned her before you got on, Ellen. (laughs) I was like, this is like Ellen's thing. (laughs) And half of my network is huge on this. And a lot of my friends are like crazy. Like Everyone right now is getting so into endocrine disruptors and how- we were so unaware of mm-hmm. um, the fact that they were like in our homes on full blast, like all those bath work yes. candles that we're obsessed with. Because they <laughs> smelled so yes, good. Yes. and they burn so perfectly evenly. And I'm like, this is the holy grail of candles. And then I learned <laughs> that they were full of endocrine disruptors. And I was like, my world is collapsing. Help me. Um, what do I? Like, you'll never find another scent like that. So then I started like obviously trying to. I mean. Literally, you can lose your mind. Like yes. I have gone down the yes. hole of like essential oils and which ones do I combine to make like that peach parfait smell? Like you can't, you can't replicate, but then you've got to decide what's more important to you. And to me, like a toxin-free life is more important than, you know, the greatest smelling candle on earth. Although it's really hard to give up, but I have so many questions for you. I could probably make this like three episodes in one, <laughs> um, but I'm just going to start off asking you, the biggest question probably our following is going to have is what impact do things like that and what other things you can mention in our daily life that impact fertility? Okay, so
2: yeah, chemicals are everywhere. So it's literally in the air we breathe, the food we eat, a ton of it in all other products. So there are several big ones that people should get to know. And again, as you said, EDC is getting popular, but at the same time, there, we were just like, so many people are not aware. So the big ones are BPA. That's the first one. People, most of the people have heard of BPA. You can see like BPA on product labels that's saying BPA-free, uh, BPA-free this, BPA-free that. So BPA is a chemical that the structure of the chemical is very similar to estrogen. So the action of BPA, if you get exposed to BPA, BPA kind of mimics estrogen so like when you think about your hormone system, your hormone system controls pretty much every bodily function of your body uh, from, you know, metabolism to your weight, to your mood, to your sleep, your fertility, everything is controlled by your hormone. And they work in such tiny amount, like, you know, one drop in 25 size Olympic swimming pool. That's how much it required to make one action. They also work as lock and key, kind of like you have a hormone, you have a hormone receptor and then they... This is how they work. So if you have something like external, like BPA, comes in. The shape of BPA is very similar to estrogen. Then it will mix. Your body will mix up with your actually your your natural estrogen versus BPA, and it just work together. So it really messes up with the signal. So that's a big one. So BPA mimics estrogen. So BPA also occurs. uh, BPA is the uh, a chemical that using a lot of plastic. Sometimes plastic can build by up to eighty percent BPA. And BPA is the chemical that makes plastic, like shatterproof. So they're using a lot of plastic containers. Um, They used to be using baby product, but since the ban, a lot of manufacturers have not been using BPA. But BPA-free doesn't mean it's BP something else free. So this is what we call it, like regrettable substitution, is manufacturers started using chemicals like BPS and BPF in replacement of BPA. But because the structure of these alternative chemicals is still the same as BPA, they have the same impact. So, you know, pay attention on BPA-free because yes, BPA-free is good, but BPA-free doesn't mean it's like BPS and BPF free and the manufacturer can literally use from BPA all the way to BPZ. They can change something and then that will, be, that will be different. So the best way to avoid BPA is to avoid plastic as much as possible because you just don't know. VPA uh, also occurs in receipts. So thermal receipts is another big one. Sometimes that's like one big one that people don't really know. So never touch receipt when you go to the gas station, when you go to the grocery store, get your receipt emailed. Like don't touch it. If you absolutely have to touch it, wash your hand right after. So then it doesn't stick on your skin and then it, you don't you don't absorb any of these. That have, have been researched.
1: So, I was go ahead. just going say actually just... Like two days ago, learned about the receipt thing, and I was like, "Oh my god, how okay, many?" So
0: I'm today's days old when I learned about this. So dive deeper into this
2: for me. I'm I'm not supposed to touch receipts now.
1: <laughs> yes, <laughs> when you touch a yes. receipt, you mean
2: avoid as much as possible because the ink used to print okay. the receipt, also the coating on the paper, they could all have BPA. Okay. So if you touch it, it's going to get absorbed through your skin and then into your body. So okay. uh, avoid touching it. Uh, always ask for electronic receipt if you need to keep receipt. And then yes, if you ha- absolutely have to touch it, then you know wash your hands after. BPA have been linked to a ton of, of issues. So that's including obviously fertility issues in both men and women. Also child developmental issues. They have looked at mothers with high, low, medium, like kind of like BPA levels and compared that with their child's IQ when they're like six or seven. And they have shown that mom with higher exposure of these chemicals, including BPA, have their kid would have lower IQ at age six or seven. They have been showing that BPA would decrease IVF success as well as egg quality. So pretty much a lot of of these EDCR have been shown with a similar impact. Uh, So BPA is a big one. Uh, people have heard of. Another big one is phthalates. It's kind of a mouthful to pronounce, but phthalates is the chemical that blocks testosterone. So phthalates particularly impact male babies. So recently, Dr. Shauna Swan from Mount Sinai, she has published a book called Countdown um, that has gained quite a bit media attention. And then that book pretty much described how exposure to phthalates and a lot of these endocrine Disrupting chemical is causing males sperm quality and sperm count go down stream uh, so much. So it particularly impact because it's interaction with, with male, like a testosterone. The third one is paraben. People might have seen like on now clean beauty care, like, you know, bottles, lotions, you can see paraben free. So paraben is used as a preservative in um, a lot of personal care product. What's also interesting is, uh, there are multiple parabens could be used. So that ranges from like methyl, ethyl, propyl, butyl. So they're like basically the length of the paraben, how long the, the, the molecule is. And the longer it is, like the, the butyl is the most toxic one. So sometimes manufacturers will just label parabens. Sometimes they will actually label whether it's or versus like paraben. you know, Whenever you see there's like butylparaben or any paraben to avoid, but butylparaben, okay, ditch that thing immediately because that butylparaben is extremely toxic. It's a lot more toxic than say methylparaben. So not all parabens are created equal. Another thing with paraben is uh, because it's used as preservative, sometimes it's also used in food, packaged food. So another thing is like, okay, people get busy and then, you know, they tend to consume packaged food, but we always, one tip for people to start detox, we always tell people is trying to eat in as much as possible because there's a lot of food additives and many times paraben is put in as a food additive. Also, this is the tricky part. that <laughs> When manufacturer put paraben in packaged food used as preservative, it's actually not labeled as paraben. So if you're like familiar with paraben, sometimes you wouldn't recognize what's in the packaged food and it's usually labeled as, you know, hydroxybenzoic acid. You know, you have to be like a, a chemist to actually recognize that. So yeah. another tip that we gave to people is, you know, if you can't eat in, trying to eat in as much, because one, it saves money, it saves time. Then second, it's healthier. And then the third is it it, it really increase your bonding time with your family, having dinner together. So it's like all weighing on all ends. I guess the only downside is it, it does take time. So that's the thing with paraben. And then the last one, there's actually a few more. One other one is also people might have heard is uh, oxybenzone or benzophenol. Yes. That's a chemical also it used as preservative. Yes, it's in sunscreens. It's the chemical that kills the coral reef that has been banned in Hawaii and other places. That's also a hormone disrupting chemical. So that can also occur as food preservatives. So again, if you consume a lot of packaged food, you can also be exposed to oxybenzone. So that's another one to avoid. Besides that, people should also pay attention on heavy metal. Heavy metal occurs in fish. So for example, arsenic in rice. So we always tell people to, if you eat a lot of rice, like I'm Asian, like I eat a lot of rice. So I make sure that, okay, I make sure I wash my rice and I soak my rice. So I dump that water so that I can get rid of some of the, some of the arsenic. And also if you're, if you're a pescatarian, you eat a lot of fish, then make sure you check with your local fishery to see, okay, which fish is over the limit of mercury. So then, you know, you can avoid that. So if you eat a ton of fish, you can actually have a higher level of mercury. Uh, So mercury is also usually in fatty fish, the fattier the fish, then it could have the more mercury it could accumulate. It could have. So that's another thing to pay attention on. In with
0: the rice, I do remember there was a lot of warnings, was it a year ago or maybe a year and a half ago? maybe it was mm-hmm. before COVID even about baby food. Like rice, cereal, baby food, kind of like the chemicals that were just getting absorbed into the food and then getting processed through. And, and they were finding these levels of like arsenic and I think lead and I forget what else in like rice, baby cereal and baby yeah. purees and, and all of that.
2: So it's nothing to freak out. I think that requires more regulation and more testing from the manufacturers to making sure it's actually below a certain threshold because arsenic is also naturally occurring. So you probably can't get rid of all of it, but you have to make sure it's within a certain level. So I think there needs to be more regulation happening with particularly with baby food because one thing we also talk about is that developmental timing really matters. That means that the younger you get exposed to, the potential detrimental impact it could have because you're like a baby is like rapidly developing. So when you're rapidly Mm -hmm. developing, you also don't have your detox system built to actually be able to detox out these, these chemicals. Another several other time that whenever your hormone is fluctuating, so in adolescence, in menopause. So whenever you're rapidly growing puberty, those are also the time that makes these hormone disrupting chemical to avoid these Interrupting chemicals is really important because that's when your hormone is rapidly changing. And then the last category people might have also heard about is uh, PFAS. Um, that's like in Teflon and non, non-stick pans. Mm-hmm. That's also using waterproof waterproofing layers like, you know, raincoats and, and other things. It's being called forever chemical. So that's also a big one. So if you have like particularly like old scratched up like Teflon pants, ditch that tonight Uh, because that's definitely going to release these chemicals into your body and then Pfas is a why we call the forever chemical is because it stays in your body for a long, long, long time. You you can't get really get rid of it. Versus like say BPA phthalates, the chemicals that I just talked about, they're called more transient chemicals. So if you eliminate the sources of those chemicals, you can actually decrease it dramatically. But Pfas is something that you can't really easily get rid of. So because you have been exposed to it, everybody have like you know, 98% of the US population have exposure to these chemicals. So then by all means, you should reduce, reduce, reduce.
1: So so helpful, yes.
0: Is, is that something that you would find in like
2: Gore-Tex or like waterproof like outdoor gear? Yes, you can find a lot of that in there, but actually now there's like several brands trying to make product without PFAS. So one really important, uh, one good resources that at least like I have found is by the Green Policy Institute. They have a, a a webpage that lists out all the you know sports brand that make product without PFAS for their waterproofing. Okay. So Gore-Tex could potentially have it, but depending on the manufacturer, they because these. Chemicals, they don't, it's convenient and it's cheap. And then that's why, yeah, it does perform. That's why they've been put. But we have other choices. We have alternatives. So I think manufacturing needs to use better choices for, for people.
1: I think that it's really interesting that, you know, probably even like five years ago, this topic would have labeled us all as like country granola moms. Yeah. <laughs> now, I feel like it's totally coming to the forefront And it's not Mm -hmm. only being accepted by like the general public, but by medical professionals where I think it's like science is catching up and is like, well, hold up. What are the long-term effects of these things that we so conveniently and so quickly shoved into our food and our everyday, you know, items and our toys and everything. And even like in our hospital systems and our medical systems, the exposure that our patients get from things we use. And now we're starting to realize that I feel like a lot of things are getting converted. Like, you know, here came the metal straws that started popping Mm -hmm. up everywhere. Mm -hmm. And like Mm -hmm. everything turned to silicone and, you know, metal containers and glass and get away from plastic. And like, I swear five years ago, we would have been thought of as crazy, which I kind of love. Like, I love being the crazy Conspiracy theorist person. Who five years <laughs> later, people are like, "Oh, okay, maybe that's right." You know? Yeah. So, can you tell us a little bit about, like, in terms of the medical system, where does it stand right now? Has it caught up with all of this new knowledge, and what are we seeing?
2: I felt, yes, just as you said. I think there's there's definitely a trend moving towards like toxic free, more clean. You can already see in like clean beauties um and then a lot of medical professionals are getting trained but i still think there's a huge gap i think the gap comes in as as we have like no data a lot of medical professionals want to see solid data they wanted to see that how does these chemicals actually causing a medical outcome but all the study we have today and that was actually part of my frustration when i was doing when i was in academia is we have no data we have no longitudinal like long-term tracking data to actually demonstrate how does these chemicals really impact a clinical outcome. For example, you can say like we have a ton of study demonstrating these chemicals are linked to breast cancer, for example, because they're disrupting hormones. And then they have been showing people with higher exposure to these chemicals would have a higher increased risk for breast cancer. However, it doesn't, this linkage association doesn't mean it's causing it. So many medical professionals will see that, oh, okay, because it's not causing it, because we lack of data, because it's not causing it, then we don't have to pay as much attention. And that's, we think that that's completely wrong because if we already see there's association, we should take precautionary principle, right? If we know this is already bad, it's there's like very clear evidence, then we should take, pay attention on it and then tell people to avoid it as much as possible. But I think that's still, medical professionals still need to catching up on that. One is we need more data to actually demonstrate that this matters. And then the second is offering people tools to actually understand their exposure and even offering medical professional tools and education. Because I don't think endocrine disrupting chemical and how to avoid and then this whole environmental health field is very much taught in in medical school or in in nursing school or in you know physician assistant schools. It's not really talked about. Um, It's mainly like a lot of physicians, as they start practicing, they start seeing more and then they start seeking out for more information. So I think there still needs to be a shift by raising the awareness. Uh, that's that's one on the more education side of things. The other thing I also think I kind of talked to Lacey a little bit about it is the all the we, medical we equipment <laughs> that we're using. You know all the IV bags. I mean, Lazy can can talk about it. It's all plastic, right? And then you warm it up. And there have been studies showing that in the ICU, if people are exposed to more of these plastic chemicals, namely BPA and phthalates, that they actually see slower recovering time. So there has also needs to be a whole shift. Like, how can we ha- how can we get better materials making these IV bags and these medical equipment, so then we can have less exposure to these chemicals.
0: So one of the the conversation that Jen and I had before we were recorded this was that one of my CRNA preceptors was kind of one of the first people to really like point this out to me as to like the amount of like toxic plastic we use in healthcare without even thinking about it. And so we were spiking a new IV bag and I went to go like circle the number two because you're hanging a new bag. And in the OR, we keep count by like labeling the IV bag. And you're not supposed to use a Sharpie marker because according to Jayco, it can like leach into the bag and like be toxic. But the preceptor pointed out that we just took this plastic bag, put it in a warmer, really mixed up all of those like toxic plastics. And then he like pointed out like on the like bag itself. It's like labeled. He's like, this ingredient's been banned in Europe. This ingredient's been banned in Europe. This ingredient's been banned in Europe. And I was like, oh, yeah, I think and you're worried an 1800- about my uh, Sharpie marker.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like- I think there's literally 1800 chemicals that have been banned in Europe and other nations that the United States continues to use in everyday items, including food, like particularly yep. foods that they mm-hmm. market to children the dyes, everything, but I have noted a shift like that companies are taking because I think they're realizing that they're going to lose this fight over time. So like, I was really impressed to see, you know, remember Gushers from when we were little, I was obsessed with Gushers, right. But they're like full of red 40 and everything else bad. Well, yeah. Welch's fruit snacks develop their own like fruit snack with like, um, fruit juice inside that explodes in your mouth when you bite into it and it has nothing bad in it it's made with like turmeric for coloring spirulina for the green the red is like beet juice so they really are starting to make the shift and understand like we don't need to color things with Mm -hmm. dyes like there's Mm -hmm. other ways around it are they more expensive and more tedious maybe but in the long run I feel like they're starting to figure out that the long game now is that they're going to lose because people are just unfollowing and unsubscribing from that in their life because they've linked so many of these dyes and additives and preservatives to so many of the problems that our kids in this generation are facing in terms of like ADHD and, you know, even autism and all kinds of different things with like heavy metal poisoning in little kids and a bunch of things. So I think it's, they're starting to make a shift.
0: Well, and I think companies are starting to realize that, well, A, I really appreciate that companies are starting to label things. And then seeing that label like free from like red dye or or some like little label like that makes you kind of stop and think like, oh, is that something that I should be looking for? You know, I think that that kind of just raises just a little bit of like subconscious awareness. But I think companies like Welch's are also realizing that people are willing to pay for this. Yeah. Like, this is something people are seeking out and willing to pay for. Like, Mm -hmm. are Gusher's cheaper? Maybe. Am I willing to pay like the, you know, 50 cents, dollar more for the Welch's that, you know, is free from all of
1: these toxins? Yeah. So, in the long term, you're going to realize that. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to pay more for their health care and their treatments when they come down sick from all this stuff, which everybody does. So would you be able to tell our listeners a little bit about the biggest, like I know the chemicals, but items that are the biggest endocrine disruptors in the average American household and what that means to be an endocrine disruptor. What are the effects that like a female, male and children can see either in their lifetime or generationally, Generationally, you know what I'm trying so to say? So the big
2: use <laughs> uh, disruptors, Well, what we have seen, it's a lot of products that household products, personal care products. Those are the two biggest ones, as well as water, actually. So PFAS have been found in water. So we always recommend people to get a water filter. You can reverse osmosis water filter is the best. So it really filters out a lot of these toxins that we just talked about. And when you purchase a water filter, make sure you look for NSF symbol. NSF is a testing agency that making sure the water filter is actually doing what they are doing. And so we actually curated a list of water filter on our website that people can go check it out that that we're making sure that you don't have to do that homework. So water filters is a big one. Other big toxins, obviously, find your product is uh, our actually most visited page on our website for looking for toxic free product is shampoo. So people obviously use shampoo day in and day out. Detergent is another one. Laundry detergent is another one. So whenever you look for these uh, products, make sure yeah, you look for fragrance free, like perfume free. Now that manufacturers sometimes label it as aroma, but it's, it's quite deceiving. So all of these things, like whenever it's labeled a fragrance, perfume or aroma, they could be potentially have phthalates in them. And then when we talk about like endocrine disrupting chemicals, you, Can you can think about the the reason it's called endocrine disrupting chemical is because it disrupts endocrine system. It messes with your hormone. So if you think about the men and the women's uh, hormone system, men, you think about the testes, right? And women, you think about your ovary, your ovaries and your uterus, your ovaries, the biggest one. So think about how they could impact these organs. And then for kids, um, obviously kids is rapidly growing. And this, whenever your hormone system is messed up that you could also trigger other things. It's not just like a male and a female because hormones are also involved in growth. It could also, it could also trigger other part of the, the body. So when you think about the hormone I uh, I mentioned before, it's yeah, it requires a tiny amount. It works at lock and key, but your entire body of hormones, they kind of work as a symphony. So if you, you kind of want to make sure that your symphony is balanced and then they're in sync. So if you have external stuff comes in and then make make your body unsink then that's when problem would happen and also uh, when we trying to use analogy to tell people about these chemicals yes they're not going to kill you tomorrow but you just don't know down the road what kind of impact you could these chemicals could have on you it's almost like filling up a cup right and then today you're putting a little bit putting a little bit and then eventually this cup gets filled up and then that's when chronic disease or other condition could happen. So, we have already seen, yes, these chemicals could contribute to autism, ADHD. And then later on in life, we have seen, yes, not just infertility. And then when you keep going on, then obviously testicular cancer and then, you know, breast cancer. And they also have been linked to metabolic syndrome, diabetes as well. So, all of these could impact. And then, if you just think about how your hormone works in your bodies everywhere and it works for everything, then you just need to. Eliminate. And this is also a life course kind of a deal that you don't just, okay, change my behavior today to avoid. And the next day, I just forget. You really need to do it every day. And I will also tell parents that, you know, particularly the ones that trying to conceive, that's like the best time to detox and to learn about these chemicals because from the get go, you're creating a great environment for your kid. As you learn about these things, you can also teach your kids about these things. So then, they have a way to judge uh, because obviously you can't make decisions for them all the time. And then by letting them know, having this education, then they also know how to judge like which product to buy, which not to buy, how to protect themselves in the future. And the last thing we tell people is, yeah, please vote with your dollars because as you mentioned before, we have already seen a shift of people wanting more of these clean products and better products, toxic free products. It's all by consumer demand. So if we have more people voting with their dollars, then obviously we're forcing manufacturers to make this change. Because ultimately, this shouldn't be the burden on the consumer, right? Like one day, I'm hoping like we don't have to exist to test for people for toxins and tell them what to do because all the products should be safe to begin with. So how
0: does your product test for these things? And how, how, how does that work?
2: So right now uh we tell people to think of, think of us as like you know 23me plus Fitbit. So 23me is a mailing DNA test. So our test is also a mailing uh, so mailing urine test. People can order a test kit online, we ship you a kit. You fill out an exposure survey which we ask about your diet and all the product you use. You send back your sample your urine sample. Uh, we get it analyzed. We also do a Comprehensive lifestyle audit. So we literally go through all the food you consumed. What are your lifestyle behavior? Did you touch receipt? What kind of utensil you use? What kind of detergent do you use at home? And then we also go through every single product you use to look at any problematic ingredients in your product. So we do this audit and then we pair that with your urine testing information and to trying to pinpoint where your exposures are coming from. And then we give you a list of Actionable recommendations, so you know where to change and what product to swap out. Then you can make those changes, and then you can come back, test, get tested again to confirm, or just follow, you know, your trend. So we we find this quite empowering when people get their baseline data, you know, see their initial exposure, make a change, and you you really can see when you make changes, your your changes actually paying off by seeing your your body burden level, your chemical level dropping. So that's the that's service that we provide.
0: That's awesome. How long during- does it take to get these results?
2: Two weeks. So it has been a long way. Uh, when we first started, we could only find like a research lab doing such, such tests to work with us. And that takes like 10 plus weeks. And it's just like crazy to have people wait that long. Uh, now that we can actually offer two to three weeks that people usually get their test within two, test results within two weeks.
1: My question for you is what other resources are really good for our listeners? I know EWG is a really good one that people go after. Um, what are your thoughts on that? And then anything else that you can recommend for people to kind of maybe like cross check when they're at the grocery store or, you know, shopping online or anything like that?
2: Yeah, EWG is a great resource. EWG is like the pioneer in this work. Uh, for when we first started, we also curated our list of uh, products. When we first started, we started with EWG. Another organization is called Made Safe. So Made Safe also have their own certification. So Made Safe also recommend um, a list of products that are also good. So when we first started, we weren't going to use to curate our own list of products. We started with EWG and Made Safe. But what we found out is that our users, at least people who use our service, have been feeling overwhelmed with how many products are on EWG, and then they really wanted a shorter list of product and having us to do the vetting. And through this process, we also realized that there's some limitation with EWG's website. One of them is being whenever there's data gap between with a chemical, EWG have been rating the chemical as green, as in good, or one, as in good. But lack of data doesn't mean it's, it's safe. Um, so in our opinion, that if lack of data, we still let people know, hey, we don't have information on this. You should pay attention. If you can avoid it, then definitely avoid. Stick with like product with the le- least amount of ingredients, right? If you don't need that thing, don't use it. And so that's one uh, limitation we've seen. The second limitation we've seen is uh, a lot of the data sources are not up to date. So when we are searching for the chemicals and when we are vetting for product, we really make sure all the literature, all the scientific evidence is up to date. So I guess that's uh, additional vetting that we do. So we do have a list of uh, curated product on our website. People feel free to to check it out. So that ranges from kitchenware to personal care products to like toothbrush, uh, water filter, you name it, you can find it. We also have a chemical glossary that people are interested in learning different ingredients, we have a glossary that you can check it out. Besides EWG Make Safe, another company that we worked with uh, is called Midori Earth. Midori Earth actually provides a, a Chrome, Google Chrome extension. So when you are shopping on Amazon, you can actually plug that in to, to check to see a product score, to, to see whether that's like, you know, whether it's it's toxin-free or not. So that's another really good good tool. Besides that, people are interested particularly parents um, or people who are thinking to get pregnant. We recently published a whole hub of content around environmental toxin and pregnancy and fertility. Um, That's like about 80 articles, really easily digestible articles for people to check it out. So if you want that resource, it's also on our website.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, thank you so much. You've been such a wealth of knowledge. Can I just ask one last question?
2: Yes. Go for it. Is it
1: true or is it false that our chemicals that we wash our laundry with seep into our skin? Yes, it's true. I knew it. I knew it wasn't (laughs) false. I'm a big one on that. And Also the stuff we use in the shower, like all the body wash, shaving cream, shampoo, conditioner. Oh yes. Oh yes. uh, Do we know how long it takes to come in the skin? I know there's like a question about something online was like 26 seconds or something. I don't know if that was true or not, but like, is there an answer for our moms or dads or people who are listening? I'm not sure if there's consensus in
2: terms of how fast it it would absorb. But when you think about exposure, we always think about how much you use it, right? Not just like how fast it gets in. Well, I mean, also depending on how long you take a shower and then what else is you're using. So there are also say we have these like target chemicals that are really, really bad, but there's also a lot of chemicals like enhancers, like that putting like these products. So one example is a phenoxy, uh, ethanol. So that's a chemical that enhances absorption of other things. So if if you have a product have like phthalates or parabens having it, it also have these like kind of enhancers in it, it's going to increase the absorption of these chemicals. So that's why it makes these chemicals like avoiding this really important. I wouldn't worry so much of like, how long does it take to sink into your skin? Just like know that everything you put on it's going to go in now. Yeah. Would also the last thing makes... I also want to oh, say sorry. is like, go you for know, it. like, like we don't want people to get overwhelmed because yes, it's a lot, but like take like small step at a time. You don't have to like immediately throw out everything, you know, in your, in your bathroom and everything. Just like next time you go shop when you use it up, you know, swap it out. Like, vote again, vote with your dollars and get a pro- better product that's actually good for you, good for your family, as well as good for the environment. So do you do testing for, like,
0: families or would you recommend it just for the adults?
2: Oh, I think doing the family is great. So there is some legal issues about testing kids, but if the parents consent, then we can test for kids. Pretty much the parents want sure. to consent. But your exposure is actually would be very different. And then we often say that we really need to protect the kids' exposure because they're literally putting everything in their mouth. They're like on the ground and then also absorbing a lot of dust and other things. Dust is another thing that we also tell families that, you know, dust often because dust particles can also have these chemicals. Uh, Another one is, you know, don't wear your shoes inside home. Change your Mm -hmm. shoes because that's also a big one. And then we actually have seen studies like that. One of the biggest study, birth cohort study have been studying how pesticide exposure could impact kids. We have seen how kids getting exposure to pesticides. This is a farm worker population. And they have seen when the parents, if they, especially the dad working in the farm, if they change their shoes, wash their hand, change their clothes, their kids' exposure actually drops dramatically because it's, it gets on their clothes, gets on their shoes, and then brings in as dust. And then the kids get, get exposed to that. So taking that lesson, you know, like whenever you get home, change your clothes and get your shoes off, that that will always help too.
1: I love it. Jenna, where can our listeners find you?
2: Okay, so people can find us on uh, our website. You can draw uh, com. It's a little bit of a mouthful but we named ourselves Million Marker because our vision for the company is one day we'll be able to discover and develop a million biomarkers of these exposures so then we can tell people exactly what's going on. so we called ourselves Million Marker. People can also find us on Instagram and Twitter, million underscore marker. Uh, We oftentimes do product comparison. So uh, we often compare, you know, we give categories like Go slow versus stop. So there are some of the really really clean product. Oftentimes they can they can be expensive, or they can they might not be as user friendly. So in that case, if you have you know if you go for a slow product, at least some of these toxins have been eliminated. That's also a good first step compared to using the very conventional product that with a ton of chemicals. So we often do those comparison. People can check us out. And we're also on LinkedIn. And so, yes, people can follow us and join our mailing list. If you have any questions, also feel free to to email us. And we're always happy to to answer questions. And then because raising awareness is also our mission that we think everybody needs to have access to this information and then do something about it.
1: Awesome. We really, really appreciate you being here today. I think that this is great for people like me who are like, all about this as well as people like Lacey who she said she's like today years old when she heard some of this and I think it's great because the more people we can you know influence and educate and add value to their life with this kind of content that applies to everyone because we're all using these things and I think that this is probably like one of the coolest episodes for me so I'm really glad and really honored to be here so we thank you
0: Oh, I think this has been awesome. And I do feel like I need a disclaimer though. Like I, I am aware of these toxins and we try not to have this stuff in our house and we're, we're conscientious of it. But yes, some of this stuff, yeah, you know, I, I mean, well it's like stuff. realizing that it's like, it's everything. It's like the simplest little things. So like, like now, like I'm rethinking like everything. So my father-in-law got a police, had a police officer show up to his house because somebody accused him of stealing gas. And then he pulled the receipt out of his pocket and said, well, see, I paid for my gas right here. So now I always get the receipt because I'm like, yeah, if they ever stop me, I got my receipt to say that, no, I did pay for my gas. Thank you very much. But now I'm like, well, I don't know that they can email that to me. And like, the company has what if car- I get, Oh, I know. I know. They've got it. But like that was just a really easy way for him to like prove his innocence immediately. And the guy backed off. So it's like all of these like little life experiences that like stack on top of each other. And now I'm like second guessing my entire life. (laughs)
1: Lacey's like, should I go to jail or should I not touch that receipt? Which one should it be? Oh my gosh. Well, prove your innocence later, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. You can totally do it. There's apps, there's all kinds of things to track your receipts and and credit card apps, but we really appreciate our listeners being here today. Also, you guys always give us not only the best reviews and we hope that you continue and hop on and leave us your thoughts and uh, leave us a five-star review and recommend us to your friends, but you also give us awesome ideas for people who you would love to hear from. So keep that coming. You can, Follow us on Instagram at Hey Smart Mamas. On Facebook, we're at Scrub Cups and Zippy Cups. And then individually, we are all also on social media. I'm at Ellen Laletta on Instagram. Lacey is at Miss Lacey Lee. And Crystal is at STL underscore injector. We are really glad you were here. We hope that this added a lot of value to your life, whether you're driving to work or you are, you know, hanging out on the couch after your kids are asleep, like mine. And we hope you guys tune in again next time. So thank you so much for listening. And Jenna, thank you so much for talking to us. I need to contact you outside of this.
2: (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. It's It's been fun. Awesome. Yes, it's
0: been awesome. And thank you, Jenna, for like taking up this mission and like running with it. And yeah. now you're the CEO of a startup company doing big, amazing, impactful things to yeah. all our lives. So thank yeah. you for that. You're changing
1: the world. And there's so much to be said. Also, we totally support the whole female entrepreneurship um, journey as well. So kudos to you. Thank you. Thank you. Good night. Thank you, Jenna. Thank you.